Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation. Of course, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in what we like to call excessive detail. <laughs> in addition to talking all things Trek, joining me today is none other than the historian himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am glad to be here as always. Enjoy talking with you, whether it's Star Trek, Doctor Who, or anything else, and actually really psyched about talking about this. So glad to be here. Yeah, man, the start of a new season that is bringing back the old crew. How do you feel about that on the face of it? Because, mm. of course, when we got word of Patrick Stewart having this new show on Paramount Plus, his mandate, I guess, was to not retread old ground. But here we are in season three of Picard, and it seems like that's where we're going. I could I could argue that either way. But to answer your original question, I'm going to say I'm for it. I'm here for it. I am, as you well know from knowing me, I love fan service and I love fan service done right. And I think this is fan service done right. And the reason that I'm going to argue that this is not treading old waters is this is something new. These characters aren't in the same places they were. If you would have put them all back on the same ship, meaning the Enterprise, and he was quote unquote, Admiral Captain Picard, and they were all in their roles, yes, that would be treading water. This is not treading water, in my opinion. Yeah, and I know we're going to get into it, but to me, it's just so funny how, and I was thinking about this today, the way Picard reacts and says things, it's so different from what he was on the show. Part of that, of course, he's older. Uh, His voice inflections or tone is different because he's older. So it just sounds like he's almost a totally different person in some of his nuances and the things that he does. But I felt a little bit of the of Riker and other folks holding fast to what they were before. So, of course, I can't wait to get into all of that. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel. Open a channel to all decks. I want to give just a little bit of feedback before we get into the review. We got a message from Jeff Hume on Twitter, and I'm not going to read his old message, but basically to boil it down, he said that he is into Voyager now and he's loving it. He's watched the whole season. I mean, the whole series per our suggestion and now says that Kate McGrew, Captain Janeway is among one of his favorite, maybe his favorite captain. It just brings a smile on my face. I'm glad that we got you into one of our favorite series which is Star Trek Voyager. We love it. So hand clap for you, sir. Yes, indeed. And I'm not going to retread anything I've already said before, but I love Voyager, just in a yeah. nutshell. And now he's, he's going back and watching DS9. So you got a lot of good Star Trek ahead of you, man. So I, I envy you. I envy you. And of course, we had Lee, uh, our friend Lee Shackford, telling us that he recently started watching Voyager as well. So yes. Yes, we're going to get people on this Voyager bandwagon. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it, it will be. Are you ready for it? It's time for a Kyle pun. It's a fantastic voyage that they're about to be on with Voyager. Oh, God. Shoot me now. <laughs> Shoot me now. <laughs> Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Picard, The Next Generation, which was written by Terry Metalis and was directed by Doug Arianowski. 
After receiving a cryptic, urgent distress call from Dr. Beverly Crusher, Admiral Jean-Luc enlists help from generations old and new to embark on one final adventure, a daring mission that will change Starfleet and his old crew forever. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen the first episode of Picard Series 3, this is the first episode entitled The Next Generation. Put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Thank you for that spoiler warning, Cal. And as like always, we go right back to you for beats of the episode, sometimes comedic, sometimes serious. Honestly, I never know. We never know. What do you have for us today? I have a question. Three words. What do you think they are? My beats can be summed up in three words. What are they? The next generation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, I seriously sat down and was trying to come up with something philosophical. And then I was like, the next generation. Come on. Yeah. Or some might say the old generation. That was my Cal Jones dad joke there. But I don't know. Let's 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 just get your overall thoughts on the episode. We're just going to kind of talk it out and see what we thought. Maybe have some theories. What are your overall thoughts of this episode? Mm, Overall thoughts. Enjoyed it for starters on several different layers. I I love the story because I don't have any idea where it was going through, you know, going to lead through. So I can't dissect it saying, well, they make the same mistakes as they made last season, in our opinion. I don't know yet. We hadn't got that far. But they teased me enough to make me curious. They showed me some things. They showed me some things I didn't or a person I did not like. And mm. they showed me some awesome, awesome graphic. I'm going to get into that person you didn't like. I may have not liked that same person, but my overall thoughts, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was fun, interesting, set up a lot of intrigue, set up a good mystery for Seven, you know, where she might end up. And some things said about following orders and breaking orders, I thought was really interesting from Picard to Seven. And overall, just set up a mystery that really had me floored because that was the last thing I expected this young man to say at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So overall, I just thought it was a fantastic episode, a good lead in to, to maybe what we're going to get going forward. And it said part one, didn't it? The Next Generation part one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it looks like we're going to be naming these episodes in parts. Mm-hmm. So that could be interesting as well. So let's go right into your most hated character i have thoughts on who that could be but who 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 is the person that leaves you a little cross Mm, he left me a little cross he left me wanting to whip him out of an airlock he (laughs) made me want to turn him over to the whoever the bad guys are in this particular year but captain shaw i was like come on can you find a bigger worse asshole to have on there (laughs) than him Yeah, and I totally agree with you. It's not that I believe he's a bad captain. It's just like he's the biggest a-hole in the room. Lorca was more personable than this dude. 
Yes, which is hard to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. He was, and you knew he was a bad guy. This is supposed to be a good guy that's just like, eh. Yeah, I had huge problems with Captain Liam Shaw, played by Todd Stashwick. I mean, before we even get a great introduction to who he is, he is already barking at our principal characters saying, your reputation precedes you into the room. So I started dinner early. So, yeah, he really is setting up to be a big a-hole, but I think there could be some redemption for him. You know, we start off by making him a jerk, and by the end of the season, everybody's loving him. Now, I've been looking on Twitter at, at, at Todd Stashwick's messages and his responses to people from this episode, and he seems to be a huge Trekkie, and he's really into it. So, I think he mm. might be a good captain by the end of it. I'm I'm hoping for that anyway. Curious here, how is Twitter or whatever responding to his first episode, considering the fact the actor you just said is a big fan. Are people giving him some hate, some heat? Yeah, well, they basically said what you said. He's a big A.O. You know? Okay. And then even Terry Metalis said, had a response too, because someone mentioned that, oh, he's a jerk and he's making capitalist remarks because he made a remark about, I'm not the highest one on the pay grade or something. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. why is he even talking about money? This is Star Trek. But and Terry Metalis uh, expertly responds and says, all of that is not true except the a-hole part. He is a-hole right now. So mm -hmm. I think we have big things come from him. Of course, he's a jerk. And I'm ready to see where they go with this character. The fact that he did not have a lot of screen time, a lot of air time in the episode, and that he come across so vile toward these lovable characters that we all have history with. But he played it in such a way that pretty much at the start of this, we're saying we don't like him. That's saying something about him as an actor. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. So yeah, with him, it was all about his interactions with Picard, Riker, Seven. He was pretty much a jerk to all of those guys. But let's back up a little bit and talk about Riker and Picard about their interactions with each other. I mentioned this up top. I almost feel like Riker stepped right out of Nemesis and he's here now and he's the same Riker for the most part. But Picard is very different, in my opinion, than we were at that point in Nemesis. How did you feel about their interaction? And we sort of get this buddy team up and they're having quips back and forth. They get sent to the bunk beds by Shaw and they're stealing shuttles. You know, we have this kind of this buddy team up with these guys, which I thought was really fun and really different from what we've seen from them before. So I'm going to say that that's just a natural progression of circumstances and people with a bond or a commonality that have you put them in a different situation, but they still have that knowledge of each other and they build off of that knowledge into something different. Honestly, to give a very easy and good analogy to that is how much time would you say has passed for the characters since the next generation to now? Oh, man, the next generation. I couldn't tell you. I think it's been 20 years since Nemesis. Next generation has probably another 10 years on that or so. I don't okay. know the exact number, but it's been a So minute. let's just say 20, 20 years. Yeah. Okay. So you and I met each other 20 years ago in a di completely different situation than what we're doing right now. 
in a work situation where I actually was the person who hired you in that work situation. Completely different dynamic. We were completely different people then, but we developed a friendship over the years of that. Now put it that same friendship, but transform us 20 years older, 20 years different circumstances. We're still having a conversation, but it's different. And that's how I relate those two. Same people, just different circumstances, and they've known each other for 20 years. It's almost as though they set it up as we're the old guys and this is our one last great adventure. And that's kind of what I get from it so far. Mm. Which leads into something else I'm thinking. So do you think we will see the death of Picard at the end of this? Hasn't he died already? Aren't we watching the true death of synthetic Picard (laughs) at the end of this? I don't know. I think it's been rumored or said by Patrick Stewart himself that there's going to be room left for possibly something else, whether that be a movie or some other other show. And we show Picard in They're kind of from my impression, it seems like they're leaving the door open a bit. So I don't think he's going to die. Honestly, don't. So I think they are cleverly setting the stage and or presenting red herrings to make you think that. Case in point, your comment about the last hurrah, you know, they're out for one last ride. You have Laris and you have Picard's conversation, whether that's no more than a bookend to this, you know, series or what, or if at the end, you know, that sets up that she finds out that he has died. Yeah. Who knows? So let's back up a little bit to the opening of the episode. We see Beverly Crusher on her ship, the Ilios, and it gets boarded. And we really don't know what is going on exactly. We get a few nods to Trek of O. We see, uh, well, we hear Picard with, I guess he's listening to a, a, a captain's log or something of Picard mm-hmm. in the background. Uh, and we see, um, but we see something from from her husband as well. I can't remember oh, what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was like the suitcase or it was Jack's suitcase. Yeah. yeah, and so we get into this. They're being boarded. She is fighting for her life. We see Beverly being a bit badass. You know, she's fighting for her existence here. She's knocking off folks left and right, and she pushes this guy in the room. We don't know who the guy is. Pushes him in the room, locks him in, and she is fending off her ship, which she does successfully. And after which she sends an encoded message to to Admiral Picard to come and help her. Just what are your thoughts on this opening scene? So as you probably remember, Beverly is my favorite TNG character. So obviously I was like, you know, happy to see her. That said, this is what she should have been doing in all the Mm. movies instead of being just basically a cameo appearance by Beverly Crusher. She had the ability movies ago to do this. But to answer your question, I loved seeing her in the middle of action doing something that pretty much set the stage for what's to come. Yeah. And boy, was that a reveal at the end. Well, let's uh, don't belabor anything. Let's talk about the reveal of this guy who looks like a 20-something-year-old dude talking with a British accent is revealed to be her son. son? I'm, I'm quoting you right here if you're not watching the video. Yes. 
Air quotes. Yeah. What do you mm. think? That's a heck of a reveal at the end of this episode. And if you weren't planning on watching further, this is the hook to keep you watching for the rest mm. of the season and see what actually happens. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. Do you have thoughts, theories? What I have do thoughts. You have? I have thoughts. I have thoughts. And my thoughts are, now we know why she left for series two or season two. <laughs> uh, well, he would be much older if that's what happened. But I, I agree. A good, hey, uh, maybe a good throwback excuse. Maybe. But yeah, I see what you're saying about the age. But good way to set the stage to make us have that conversation we're having now. I mean, would that be so awesome if that were really Picard's child? Yeah, well, I'm honestly, I'm not exactly ruling that out. But by the same token, I have no idea who it whose child it may be. We know that she's been away. Nobody has seen her Mm -hmm. since Nemesis for the past 20 years. She's been off doing some special research alone uh, off the grid. And nobody has seen or talked to her for the last 20 years. And all of a sudden we see she's being chased by this unknown alien or aliens, I would say. Right. Because I think we I think he says that they look different every time or something to the effect of that. So who are these mysterious aliens and what the heck has she been doing to stir to stir up the nest so much? So uh, let me before I answer that question, another identity theory for this guy that i've seen is and do you mind me saying a theory is that good as long as it doesn't because we know that people have seen six episodes so far some of the reviewers have gotten gotten the first six episodes so i don't know how i don't know how spoilery I don't know if it's a speculation or spoiler, so I won't repeat it. Well, well, if we you can say it, we'll go ahead and drop the spoiler warning again. People, we may give okay. future knowledge. We don't know if it's a spoiler uh, I, or t- true uh, analysis and speculation. So go ahead. Let's see what you got. Yeah. All right. So the theory, I hope this is a theory, that one of the identities that this person might be is the first child of Riker and Troy. Hmm. No, yeah, well, he but did, died. didn't they say he died? He died, yeah. so it can't. I, I would highly doubt that. Doubt that. Okay, well, then that's man. Then maybe that wasn't much of a spoiler. Well, I, I've I've heard what the guy's name is. I won't say it here, but I heard what his name is, which is kind of what could be revealing, but maybe not. You know, uh, and we've talked about this a lot in Tasha's After the Snap Discord. So if you're not there, you should definitely check out her her star. Trick channel in her discord and really we be chopping up this whole episode and any episode to talk about what's going on and some of the speculation we've had well my personal speculation is that maybe she was doing research to try to find a way to stop the founders or the slash change changelings and maybe someone gave her a changeling to experiment on and this is the changeling you know or something like that. If even if it's not a changeling, some something that she was experimenting on that wound up being her child. It could be genetic cloning or something. Right. I, I don't got know. you. I don't know. But I think it, it I think whatever the solution is is tied into whatever experimentation work that she's been doing for the last twenty years. So again, we know that she's being hunted by these aliens, which we don't really know the race of. It makes me think it's a weapon or something to combat whatever is going on. And we know she says, trust no one. 
So again, that puts you in the frame of mind that there is someone within the ranks of Starfleet that is, you know, doing some undercover thing to try to unravel Starfleet slash the Federation at its core. So maybe, and I'm thinking maybe she has something that can detect whoever or whatever this is mm, that, that's causing issues. Good point. Because she does go into the usual don't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what unfolds there. So, you know, we'll stay tuned to see how that works out and continue to formulate our theories. What did you think of Seven in this episode? I love her. I I loved how they used her to further make me dislike Shaw. Yeah, true. True. You know, and I actually learned something. Um, you notice how he would not call her uh, Seven of Nine or refer to her as Seven. He made her be referred to as Annika Hansen. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I was watching a YouTube video about, you know, the ups and downs of this particular episode, there was a phrase that I had actually never heard of before, something called, let's see, dead naming is what it's called. Have you ever hmm. heard of that? I, I never heard of that. I have never heard of that. What is that mean? So what that means is if someone transitions from a male or to a female or from a female to a male, and they change their name as part of that transition to a different name, and their name now is whatever their name is now. Mm -hmm. And I specifically choose to use the original name because I don't accept that new name. It's called dead naming. Oh, I had wow. never heard of that before. But, but that was what they were doing to her was he was refusing to use Seven of Nine, who she refers to herself as, but was forcing the Annika Hansen. And again, that goes back to Star Trek shedding light on stuff that's hap that happens in the real world mm -hmm. where we refuse to maybe identify somebody as who they want to be. You right. know? And if it's if it's a mistake, it's one thing. But if you're doing it purposely and say, I'm, I have orders where you have to call her Annika Hansen, Right. You know, that's a little shady. And again, another well-written thing to make us further dislike the guy. Yes. So, of course, Seven trusts her gut. She she kind of feels like she's been selling out by becoming <laughs> a star uh, Starfleet commander, following orders, not being able to follow her gut. So to me, it feels like she's she's selling out or she feels she's selling out just a little bit and here comes this opportunity with, you know, Picard and Riker, and they want to do this certain thing. And she actually defies orders from Shaw to actually get them to this actual sector of space so they can find Beverly. I was a bit surprised by that because I thought she was buying it hook, line and sinker that I'm a Starfleet officer now. And she looks good in a row. So I was kind of surprised that she so quickly went back to... Uh, I'm going to do it the way Seven wants to do it. But of course, having a friend now from having spent the season, you know, with him, uh, season and a half with him in, in Star Trek Picard. So what did you think about her defying orders? Mm. I'm perplexed. Now, I actually wanted to ask you that question, but my my brain keeps going back and forth of she knows Picard. And did she really intend to be there long term? Meaning... Was she just biding her time looking for a way out? Because obviously 
she doesn't like this guy pretty much. So was how invested was she? To become a, an officer and a commander even is not an easy thing to do. So I feel like she was very invested in what she was doing. Now, obviously, she probably was fast-tracked to become an officer. That being said, I, I was, like you, I was really surprised that she actually defied orders. It really, that was the last thing I was expecting. Of course, we needed it to happen to get to this certain point in the story. And I'm, I'm sure later in the story, Shaw is going to, you know, become a good guy all of a sudden and mm. not get her in trouble, get her kicked out. I, that's what I think is going to happen anyway. But yeah, just, just really surprising that she would defy orders so quickly, in my opinion. But yeah, man, I'm really happy with where Seven is. And honestly, for me, again, us being Voyager stands, just to see where she's come from Voyager through the first two seasons of Picard to where she is now is just really satisfying and rewarding for me to see her, <laughs> say, engaged to the Titan as it lives uh, space dock. So, yeah. What did you think of the Titan? The look of the Titan. I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I thought it looked cool, too. I kept wanting to see an Enterprise, honestly. You know, I was still hoping that they would put him on the Enterprise. I know that. What that's you mean, the fat one? The fat one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to ship shame the uh, Enterprise, but uh, I will say that the freaking font was freaking phenomenal. Yeah, seeing that blue font, the blue yeah. coloring, written like that. That that was my highlight, and the music. Yeah, it was really good. Reminds me that when Picard and Rocket win that bar. You had this guy who threw one of the fat ships in his cup <laughs> with Picard and Riker left. And he was like spying on them. Like, what is going on with that? Obviously, the ranks of Starfleet have been infiltrated. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Because we've done this kind of before with conspiracy. So to see who the enemy is and how we're going to get the solution I think it's going to be really interesting. All I want to know is what kind of batteries do they use on those communicators <laughs> that they are still working on a subspace frequency decades later? Computer, I mean, what is that noise? <laughs> but a good throwback and good nostalgia, good seeing the, the original costume. Interestingly enough, I think it was Star Trek, maybe the Voyage Home mm. or one of them, the... Um, Whichever one they were out in the cold mm -hmm. uh, at on some point. Um, but the thing that Beverly was wearing reminded me a little bit of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to mention, I have to mention when they both were hu humiliated by being in the bunk beds. Again, I love the way they're kind of sprinkling in this old guy comedy with them. And mm -hmm. nothing I would really expect from these two in this kind of buddy team up. But man, just hilarious. And I laughed in this episode way more than I expected to. Really? Way more, yeah. Was that a little bit of Clarence as the fanboy, or was it the story? I think it was the story. I think it was the story. And, of course, you have to rely on some of the things we've known before from these characters. So you're going to think about their dynamic before as opposed to what it is now. So that definitely influences the comedy. Any other takeaways? So what did you think? I'm curious of this. What did you think of Rafi? Because, you know, she is oh, back and she she has an interesting something going on. Because at first I thought she had fallen off the rocker and like, wow, she, you know, she's had a hard turn since the end of last season. Now we know that there was something else that's going on. But what did you think about seeing her 
back. You know what? They had me fooled for about a minute. And then I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way she's falling off the horse that hard. I thought she had went back to the first time we saw Rafi when she was out in the desert drinking her uh, wine and smoking her vape. (laughs) You know, I thought we were back to that Rafi. But man, it was so good to see her kind of be on the on her own out here doing this secret mission and see her continue to struggle with something she's been struggling with from the beginning, which is an addiction. Again, Star Trek. Something good that we can see to see that she's fighting and she's getting over. She's overcoming that. So that's good. I want to refer to Tasha and her video about the handler that she has, which we don't quite know who the handler is. But Tasha has a pretty good prediction on who that handler is. At first, I thought it could have been control. And it seemed as if she was possibly working for Section 31. But I think the handler from Tasha's review I think it may be Worf. I think that's that's the <laughs> mm. that's the opinion I go with based on the information Tasha has ge- given us. Uh, a great analysis. Again, go watch it on our channel. But I, I I believe her in saying that it's probably Worf. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see them too, their dynamic. And we already know from some of the interviews that Michael Dorn has done that they're going to have a lot of uh, interaction with each other. Mm, that makes sense. Oh, and one one more thing. Speaking of drinking something. Another Shaw dib or, uh, you know, jab that he did was talking about the wine, basically saying it was worthless. You know, Picard, Chateau, <laughs> oh, Picard. Yeah. But he did dig on Chateau Picard. I thought yes, it did. I actually thought of Jonathan uh, whenever he said that, because it, didn't Jonathan buy some Chateau Picard? I think he did. So we have a question here from user, the original. The original C. Neil A.Z. So the question is, was the clue Rafi heard named the Red Angel? Uh, it wasn't the Red Angel. It was the Red Lady. The Red Lady. Thank you, Tasha. At first, I definitely was thinking Star Trek Discovery because I love that show, first of all. But yeah, it was funny that it's so close to the Red Angel. But the Red Lady, which was a reference to the captain of the Enterprise C in the episode where the ship had to go back in time and be destroyed. And I guess... The statue was in Sector 7 of the same planet, so she went to investigate, and we saw this weapon. Okay, so the so the weapon, let me tell you what it reminds me of, and I know I'm crossing content streams here, but there is a character in the New Mutants or the X-Men called Magic, mm-hmm. and her power to teleport is she creates these teleportation discs that she can teleport, and it's a big circular disc that she teleports things with. This looked like right out of magic. I know it's not, you know, of course, magic. But the way they did that, where she opened up, or they opened up this circular thing and just displaced it, the visual of that was awesome. And according to Tasha, quantum tunneling device. Ah, cool. It reminds me a lot of the video game Portal. And we find out that this weapon was actually stolen from Starfleet. So, again, the ranks being infiltrated somebody's on the take. <laughs> Somebody is, is working for someone else within the ranks of Starfleet. And yeah, so so that's kind of where we are. Trust no one. And this this seems like a very deadly weapon. So, uh, so I can't wait to see, you know, kind of where they're going to go with that. Yeah. So I think we're probably going to wrap up there. And on that note. And on that note, let's get ratings. How do you rate this episode, Mr. Jones? I give this... Five next generations out of five. Mm. And as will I, sir, five out of five for me. 
If you want to send us feedback, you can do that by hitting us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Hit us up. Let us know what you thought of the episode. What did they get wrong? What did they get right? And I want to hear that feedback all throughout the rest of the season because it's going to be fun. I really feel like I'm going to enjoy it. And that's it, guys. Thank you all for joining. Until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Can I say that like shut up Wesley? I can just go shut up Clarence?